Nation. We are back. I missed you last week. I'm sorry, but you still guys got a great draft with Spence and David. But audience, congratulations winning the draft last week. Nicely done. Big victory that comes with some championship responsibilities this week and getting us the draft order. Uh, but while we, before we get to that and, and, and talk through this week's draft, um, a quick recap of last week. I think last week was a fun tournament. We are back in the swing of things weekly with golf. Uh, David, how'd you end up last week? Yeah, um, good evening, good afternoon, good morning, wherever in the world you are. Um, Mid-afternoon here in sunny New Zealand, so I've had to keep the blinds closed to, to get the lighting all right and, and get, you know, the moneymaker looking good on the screen. Um, but, yeah, no, look, it was a, a fantastic week overall. We were right there in contention again, three of our players in the top 10, which was a great result, and Zach Blair at 6,300 came in at 3% ownership and, and did very well coming in um, 30th overall in the tournament. So there's some great leverage there given out. Um, but disappointing, Henley was looking super hot, eight under through 13 holes, and then just absolutely got the speed wobbles over the last kind of five holes, playing those last five holes, one over to finish fourth um, was our, our live chance. And um, yeah, another first round leader run as well. We had Aaron Rye finishing third at 75 to one. I said was my favorite play and he was right there. So it was nearly back to back after the gala week one. So overall, um, really positive week and excited to get into a, a freaking putting contest. There you have it. There you have a putting contest. Indeed. Spence, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. I, last week was probably not the best week that I've ever put together from a betting perspective. I had a lot of exposure to Adam Svensson. Um, that was a very disappointing finish. I had him inside the top 20 market. I had matchups on him. Pretty much 18th hole that he played on Sunday, double bogeying the par five, which is the easiest hole on the course. That removed any of the win I had. It ended up being like a three-unit swing from what he provided there. But, um, you know, I think we're early in the season. We're still getting stats coming into the mix here. Uh, as we get more data, I've always historically seen that the numbers get better at that point. But we have a very interesting DFS contest to talk about. There's a lot of nuances to this tournament. I, I don't want to say venue since there's so many of them that are going to be played. I, I made a joke that it's like every single course in California that gets used for this event here. While that's a little bit of a joke, it's it's definitely different with the Pro-Am nature, these longer rounds. Uh, it's You're going to have to try to get unique in the process with it. Yeah, I agree. I think for our purposes, in terms of, you know, as best we can, handicapping the tournament, picking our plays, I hate the three-course nature. It really, I feel like it dilutes a little bit of the data. Well, definitely dilutes the data. There's not much, you, as much you can go off on, so um i think you got to lean a little bit more into current form if anything because you know you're not going to get a standard coach and of course you know spend your work set up for out you really can't give a course breakdown um if anything maybe you, you can try and just lean in on the course that's going to be played twice um uh, since that will get be the course that we use the most but again definitely going to be diluted to to what we typically do um the mxo I, it, it's a pretty loaded field i mean it's the beginning of the season so guys want to come out but you're going to get some big names so I'm pleasantly surprised by the guys showing up this week. Spence, what have you done this week in terms of a course breakdown? How are you going about that approach with this three-course setup? I always try to simplify the process and find parallels when you have this three-course rotation. Kind of think without that, you're just throwing darts at, at an event that has very little rollover predictability. So when I tried to figure out what all three of these venues have in common, I use short par 72 courses with easy scoring conditions. All three of those are going to land under that parameter. Also think it's there's a really significant corollary trend that comes into play when you look at the ease of scoring on their four par fives. Golfers that have historically demonstrated an edge on those holes have typically been the ones who have seen themselves shoot up the leaderboard. Um, you kind of talked about this, Joel. I, I do think the final essence of this whole answer comes down to how somebody's going to play the stadium course. At least you know you're going to get that twice. Every single golfer that makes the 54-hole cut in this Pro-Am nature is going to have to play there on Sunday. There's a lot of water that comes into play. I think some combination of total driving. I geared it towards accuracy. I also looked at how somebody has driven the golf ball 
on some of these shorter par 72 tests. I think that that's a little bit more indicative for what I'm trying to find. I'm looking to uh, avoid the golfers that are going to have that tournament ending danger that comes into play. And then the other note that I just want to at least throw out there, there is expensive bunkering that can make finding the fairways imperative. Uh, that comes into play even more so when you realize that all three of these venues produce some of the highest birdie or better percentages on tour yearly when you play from the short grass. So I'm trying to find golfers that can find the short grass off the tee, uh, players that can control those irons in. You're going to see a, a heightened proximity uh, distribution from zero, we'll call it from less than 100 yards and between 150 to 175 yards. And then a really pure putting surface with this overseeded Bermuda. There's, there's very little grain to the surface. Uh, a lot of people demonstrated or, or put it back to it being like a carpet-like surface. So I think that that helps the really good putters. And I also think there's a narrative to be made that it helps some of these poor putters if it neutralizes the putting mix and if they're a little bit better on this surface. I love it. I love it. One thing I'll add to that is this is the type of week also where I'll wait a little bit more toward like guys who to play well in California, right? Because where there's less of a weight on, you know, strokes gained off the tee and approach. Um, I think those are the factors that will come into play a little bit more for me. Um, you know, you know, guys who just are generally better in Cali, guys like guys who generally play better, maybe course history. I mean, again, it's not a true course history, but you've played well at this tournament, right? It might say something um, to that effect. So without further ado, for those of you who might be new to the show, even though, I can tell in the chat most of you we've seen before, but if you have not seen the draft cast before, as a reminder, we are doing your typical snake draft like you would a fantasy football league. Uh, one through four, and then the, the person in the four cell will get the hook and they'll get two picks in a row and we will go back. The caveat to this is you can't just pick all the best players. Your roster has to be able to be within salary range on DraftKings. So and sometimes the, the strategy is to take your value players first, get those guys um, at the beginning and then take your better points at the end. That's a strategy thing that we can all um, take our own unique approaches to as we go through this draft. The one thing that is for sure is that someone is going to steal Spencer's pick and he's going to get flustered at some point during the draft. Um, flustered, is, flustered is the wrong way to word it. Somebody will steal my pick, but you know that that's something that we can... I, I, I'm going to be honest with you, Joel. I'm maybe not going to include you into this mix, this is maybe more of a David and a Sia thing. I think I have like the second tamest reactions when somebody steals my pick. I, I mean, Sia's not on the show at this point, I think, because he's gotten so flustered. Fair. So, so that is fair. You actually do have a pretty tame reaction. The funny part is you don't get like hot and bothered. You're just very calmly saying, well, that just ruined everything. <laughs> well, I mean, it is true. It is true, though, to an extent. There's only so many players, and and I think all of us build our player pools around a certain specific route. And what's challenging about this is, is when you build it for a certain way, and you have one golfer left that fits that criteria, it does kind of, at the end of the day, ruin it. It's just the nature of how the draft takes place with it. But um, you know, I think those are the interesting things that we try to work through on the show here. Totally. And, and with that being said, I think you brought up a good point. I will give the audience, I'm going to toot the audience horns here. The audience doesn't have the luxury of being able to pre-plan their draft because you all have to give input and you're not all sitting in the same room. Whereas, you know, the three of us, we might kind of anticipate who we want to take next based on how much salary we have. It's much harder for the audience to do so. So the audience is a little bit uh, handicapped from that regard. Yet you guys still get your W like you did last week. So yeah, there's a reason why we got the best audience in the biz. You guys come and bring it every week. We super appreciate it, guys. This show does not work without you guys. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, you guys got the, the draft order in on time, and you're going to give David the first pick. Audience, you will go second, Spence third, and I'll go fourth with the wheel. David, without further ado, you are on the clock. Yeah, thanks. And so for me, I, I kind of weight these courses that you've got three where driving proves to be a real asset and having that extra distance off the tee is is a definite asset around both the Peak Die course, which they'll play twice, and the Jack Nicholas course. La Quinta's a bit shorter, but at all of them, you need to be able to putt well. And kind of the perfect combination of 
um, elite driving and uh, putting, whose approach really looks to be turning around as um, Sam Burns for me. And so I'm happy to take him in the mid-9K. I'm a little surprised that his ownership's as low as it is. I would have thought it'd be quite a bit higher. Um, seen quite a bit of steam. Obviously, he has a fantastic record here, which is really appealing. He's finished um, 18th, 6th, and 11th in his three appearances. So great um, history at this tournament. And then um, another course I'm using quite heavily this week is another desert course where um, it's a bit of putting contest, which is TBC Craig Ranch. And he finished in um, runner-up there second um, around that tournament, the Byron Nelson, on his very first look at that that course. So really like uh, the correlated form there and, and think he's a solid pick. There you have it. Sam Burns, definitely a roller coaster ride over the last year or so with Burns, but he certainly has the upside to even go out and win the tournament outright. Uh, Spence, are you well? Before we go to Spence, audience, you are on the clock. So, as this works, we need a nomination and then a double for the pick to be confirmed. While we wait for your pick, Spence, are you on Burns at all this week? I think it's a savvy play from David. He's inside of the top 20 and pretty much any iteration of my model from a statistical perspective of it if you look at any of the sharper markets out there he has moved into being a massive favorite against every single golfer against names that i highly respect this week uh i think the ownership will probably trickle up a little bit I, i've heard reports that he almost shot a 59 today I, I think people will hear that that's probably unfortunate for the ownership and maybe that's what is coming into play why the ownership is starting to trend in that direction sometimes it just takes one little thing to shift it for a player that does have good course history out here. But uh, I, I definitely think this is one of those situations where he, if he ends up becoming chalk, I think he's good chalk. There you have it. All right. All right. Consensus approved on the first pick audience. Your pick is in and it's Minwoo Lee. Um, I like that pick. You know, I, I'm surprised he went this early here, uh, but, but I think it's a good pick. Definitely an interesting one. How about you, David on Minwoo Lee? Yeah, 100% in on Minwoo Lee. I was between Minwoo and Sam Burns for my first pick. I think that Minwoo's game's just um, accelerated a lot quicker than people have perhaps um, taken taken for granted a little bit of just how good his game has got. Um, obviously a sandbelt golfer as well in Australia, so used to this desert kind of style. Elite driver of the golf ball, great approach, and, and really good putter as well. So um, really like the combination there, and it seems to be a setup that should really suit him. There you have it. Minwoo Lee off the board. Uh, all right, Spence, you're on the clock with your first pick here in the three spot. Give us your take on Minwoo Lee, and then who are you going with here with the third pick? I think Minwoo is, no matter how you want to shake it, a legitimate top 15 caliber golfer moving forward. And it's reflected in the pricing and and I don't know if I, I think this is the best course fit for him. Like I, I agree to what partially what David has said there, but uh, there are venues coming up like maybe next week, maybe the players championship. I, I would not be shocked if he ends up taking down something very significant this season. So um, I, I think that he's in play every single week. It just comes down to ownership for me of if I want to go in that direction here, but uh, I am, usually the one that just goes absolutely rogue from the very start. And I'm probably going to do that again with this pick. I, I understand that it is a player in the $9,000 section. So it's not like I'm going to the bottom of the board when um, I did that one week and took a $6,000 golfer. Um, I'm going to take Tony Finau at 9,300. I understand the concerns with the putter. I, I I know that that's going to be what everybody wants to point to with this game, but I think you mentioned a really good point, Joel. Like you have to try to find certain specifics of players that play well in, in different things that will mimic this course. So players that play well in California is one of those things. I also looked at Finau got a boost in my model there. He's also the number one climber for me when you take away putting from the mix. And I understand you have to make putts to win, and that's going to be like, if he doesn't make putts and he struggles, that's where the, the problems come into play. But inside of the top five of my model, pretty much every other way that I looked at it, massive upside for me at really limited ownership compared to a lot of the names around him. I don't really expect people to love this play, but to me, this is that GPP uh, tournament changing outcome to where if I can get him right, and he's 10% owned and he could take down this tournament. I think that that's like going to be the big difference maker that I'm going to try to pinpoint this week. So I'm just going to take 
the golfer that I'm going to have the most exposure to. I, think that, that, I like your strategy for sure. Um, I think this week the strategy is interesting because, you know, how the pricing is and how you do roster construction is going to be a big part of your um, going into your thought process of how you want to attack the week. You know, Finau is a guy who's as talented as anyone in this field, you know, for the most part. He's up there with most of those guys at a reasonable price. So, you know, I like that play and pick. How about you, David? Are you on Finau at all this week? Yeah, I like him as a contrarian player. I mean, he certainly wouldn't be making any of my cash lineups, but I think that what Spencer's said there is kind of spot on. Of like, everyone seems to be kind of out on Fina at the moment, and it's probably the the time that you should do the opposite of what popular opinion is. Um, yeah, he can certainly fail with the putter, and this is, um, as John Rahm said, a, a freaking putting contest um, quite famously, and then he went on and won the tournament. So um, there's that for you. But um, I think that the fact he gained like six or seven strokes um, looking at his data on putting uh, last time out here. And he's had a, at a 16th and a 10th previously. Um, don't think it's the worst spot. And he's done okay putting at things like the Rocket Mortgage and the 3M Open, which are pretty low scoring affairs as well. There you have it. Um, I like the funeral back. I have two here. And I am considering going pretty rogue in my approach on how I attack this draft, which uh, – I think I'm going to do – so I'm going to start with my first pick. I'm going to take Patrick Cantlay. Um, a lot of what we were, we've were we been talking about, you know, he's definitely a California guy. He thrives on these West Coast courses. This is kind of like his time of year. You know, other than Scotty Shuffle, I would probably say he is the most talented guy in the field after Scotty. So uh, plenty to like. You know, the thought process there is you save a couple bucks on Scotty. Um, but, you know, obviously if he beats him out there, that will come – that will be super helpful. Um from the ownership side with this second pick here, I'm going back and forth between how stars and scrubs I want to go. And I'm going to take Sung JM. Um, I was deciding, I was considering taking Scotty and just going, you know, fully. Um, but you know, I really like the way Sungjae's playing. I guess the concern I'm having, which I'm sure is the same concern everyone else is having is like, how is Scotty going to hold up in a putting contest this week, which is what, what we're considering this to be. I actually think he's going to do well. I think he's going to have a really strong finish. Um, but you're, you're paying up and just having, you don't want to have concerns when you're paying that much with Sungjae, he's the epitome of consistency with upside, right? I mean, in this field, if no one's going to be surprised if we get you a top 10 finish, I feel like he's also safe here. You can play him in cash lineups too. So I think he's just a really solid over, all around play that you're getting in Sungjae. In here. I, I would argue Sungjae. I mean, maybe of the top end guys, there may be the best cash play just because he's the cheapest of the group. Um, I think they're, I think he's going to be popular, but I, I do tend to believe that the top of the board is very fairly priced um, in, in any of those names. Like I'm not, I don't have any massive takes for why I would want to be out on any of the four players over $10,000. So I think it's a pick and choose your spot. And um, that's for people to decide because I'm I'm not going to sit here and be like, well, this player shouldn't be in your lineup for whatever the reason is. I would agree, but on, on the contrary to that, I'm also kind of believing, at least for me personally, I want at least one of them in almost all of my lives. I believe one of those guys is going to, you know, get a top at least three showing. So I'm looking to build lineups with at least one of those top four in that 10K range. And then how I build around that, we'll see. I obviously got two here, but... Um, that's that's kind of my thought process going to this week. Um, David, before we move on, are you playing either Cantley or Sungjae this week? Yeah, I think they're, they're both fine players. I, I like how you said that you were going to get a bit different and then took two fairly reputable golfers, which, um, you know, I, I'd argue that they're both um, pretty easy selections. And I think Sungjae particularly, a lot of people have... Um, have been out on for quite some time and obviously he had some struggles towards 2023, but he looks in bang and form at um, the, the century, particularly he looks very, very good. So I think we're, we're in for perhaps a breakout season for Sanjay this year. It, you know, the interesting thing about Sanjay too, is he plays so much. Like he plays every week that like, mm. you're going to get more swings with him because he's just playing more tournaments or he's going to have more ups and downs because he's mm. just exposing himself that much more than everyone else. So, it does seem, though, that he might be in one of those upswings right now. He's playing good golf. So let's see how that turns out. Spence, you took Tony, second pick. Who are you looking at? I'm going to take another golfer that is just a terrible putter. 
I mean, that's going to kind of be where we're moving here. And uh, But it's, I will say, very similar to the Tony Finau answer that we talked about, it's a player that has found success with his putter on these greens. So he's gained all four times that he's played this tournament, as much as four strokes in 2022, 3.6 when he won this in 2021. I'm going to go with Siwoo Kim. A little bit of a boomer bust nature. It's, it's the same answer that David just talked about. Like, I would not have Finau or Siwoo anywhere near a cash game lineup. But I do think it's a contrarian route to take because when you look specifically at Siwoo, I think there's a lot of players around him in price where the course history is similar, maybe lacking the victory, but the ownership is double of what we're going to get for him here. So for whatever reason, people don't necessarily, according to my model, ownership-wise, seem to want to go back to him at this tournament. I think this is a nice spot where there is upside, and at least historically, there has been safety here. He hasn't finished worse than 40th in four tries. Three of those finishes inside the top 11. Um, it feels like a nice spot for him to really provide a big result here. And that's something we haven't seen from him recently. And maybe that's the answer for why the ownership's not higher, but I'm going to take it as this is the right spot for him. There you have it. Another solid pick. David would love your thoughts. I don't, I don't know what, ownership you have spent on Cebu. I have them about like 11, 12% myself. Um, I think at, at that sort of ownership, I'm possibly out. I think there may be some other options I look at in terms of that sort of range. Um, I think that, yeah, the, the putter woes especially, but, um, you know, it, it's going to be important to make some birdies here. And I just wonder if perhaps there's, there's other spots I personally would be, be looking I think I saw the audience last round. I think there was at least one Siwoo nomination too. So at least some of the folks, some other folks were also on Siwoo this week. This does seem like one of those weeks where Siwoo could get hot and kind of climb up the leaderboard. So to be determined there, we shall see. Audience, you are on the clock. Nominations are already coming in. Great job being on it. It doesn't look like anyone has been doubled quite yet. So Bunch of nominations in. We're going to need one more from the audience. Um, while we wait for that, David, um, we'll get your opinion here. Looking through the draft so far and who's been taken, is there anything that you're surprised at thus far? I, I guess just a general comment would be that it's 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 close to a designated field, strength of field, um, as you'd get without actually being a designated event. You know, I'm surprised at the the quality of the names in here. I'm probably a little surprised that Scotty Scheffler's not gone yet, or someone like Sandra Shoffley, um still on the board as well, because um, obviously, you know, as as much of the putting struggles we know about Scotty, he's probably still going to finish in the top 10, regardless of the fact that his putt is going to let him down, like, invariably. So he probably won't win, um, but he can come out and certainly ball strike it into the top 10. So I think he's a fairly safe pick. There you have it. I like it. I like it. All right. And the pick is in, and it's Tom Kim. Um, Tom Kim, as you know, favorite guy, favorite pick of mine. I love meeting some Tom Kim. Was a guy I thought about. I love the pick. You know, so he'll definitely be in my player pool this week. How about you, Spence? What are your thoughts on Tom Kim? I I also like Tom Kim. I talked about this with Byron yesterday on our Roto Baller show that we did. Um, I think you could make an argument. And, and I'm a little bit surprised that I see the ownership as high as it is right now. I usually try not to take it as, as let's see where it is, I guess, the best way to say it, in 24 hours here. Because things can shift overnight and you sometimes get these like five to seven point moves out of nowhere. But it's a little bit more popular than I was expecting. But I, I do think you have a $9,000 range here that is really strong. Um, and, and I think you have a $10,000 range that's really strong. And when you have those answers where... To me, there's very few mispricings on the board. That's kind of where the challenge ends up coming into play. And, and if ownership ends up condensing in any one area, that might be where I end up pivoting elsewhere on it. But I don't see any ownership that high towards going that route. But um, I think Tom Kim is a top six play in this tournament. I kind of think that maybe on the back end of it, maybe it's a little bit too expensive, but I don't have a problem with him whatsoever. Well, there you have it. Uh, David, you got two here coming up on the wheel. We'll love your take on Tom Kim, and then uh, let us know who you're looking at for your next two picks. 
Yeah, I think I think Tomkins a really um, savvy pick. As I said, I, I am waiting driving distance here just because through the courses driving distance is a is a good correlation to um, success here. But what I'd say about Tomkin is, I mean, he's played twice at TPC Summerlin at um, Spencer's home in Las Vegas, and it's not too far from here. Desert Golf, obviously, he's played it twice and he's won it twice. So um, not necessarily the worst uh, desert form from Tom Kim. Um, I'm also going to stick in the 9K range and take someone who I am expecting to be somewhat popular this week, which is um, Cameron Davis. Again, just that combination of driving for me, really good putter. Um, decent enough record here. He's had two top 30s, but I just think that he's coming around a corner a little bit, especially at the end of last year. He had seventh at the Shriners. Um, which I've just spoken about has been somewhat um, correlated to here. And then between the Sentry and the Sony, the Sentry, he needed to shake off a bit of rust. His approach wasn't that great. His driving actually wasn't that great. Last week, he improved both on approach and in driving accuracy. And I always like to see that trend where both ball striking metrics are moving the right direction at the same time. And if you kind of full project and think that that improvement is going to continue, um, the way that he's putting at the moment, he could well find himself in contention. So love the price that I can get on him there. And then um, I'll back that up with um, Joseph Bramlett down in the 6,800 range. California guy, so love his links to the, the region. Um, long driver the golf one. I just feel that he's really undervalued at 6,800. We saw him make some really good gains on approach in 2023 and seems like kind of a breakout candidate for the year if he can find a bit of a putter. Well, there you have it. Uh, interesting picks here. You did kind of get some value in. So you didn't go straight back there. I kind of had a feeling you were going to take one of those top guys, but you didn't. Spence, would love your take on both Davis and Bramlett. I didn't necessarily have Bramlett in my player pool at this point. The, the one thing I will say is the course history over the last two years looks good. The weight of proximity numbers are inside the top 40. Um, he carries that distance that David is talking about. If you weigh that a little bit heavier with it, I don't necessarily have a take on him one way or another. I, I did think Cameron Davis, though, was too cheap at 8,400. I agree. I agree with that take. Uh, I almost be honest with you. I came into the week looking for a reason not to play Davis, and he came in so much cheaper than I thought he would that it's like ah, I can't think I can afford it at that price. So I am with you on that. Um, all right, audience, you are back on the clock again. We need to. I see a few nominations in. Um, heart now. That's not a double. Uh, we're gonna need a double to get your official pick in. Um, and while we wait for that, looking at the draft board now, it's pretty, you know, for the most part, spread out. Meaning, you know, my average salary and Spence and the audience and David are all pretty much a different range. Now, plenty of picks left where that could change in a heartbeat, depending on how this goes. But it is interesting that we all right now seem to be in a different spot. So we'll see how this plays out if this gets competitive toward the end of this draft. The audience pick is officially in, and they are going for the Jaeger bomb. Um, interesting there. I, I think you guys – someone had mentioned him for sure earlier in the draft, but he didn't get doubled. So now it's official. Spence, are you on Steven Jaeger at all this week? I think I like Steven Jaeger every single week. It's kind of been like the running joke of this show. But 18 consecutive made cuts. I think when you get him into the sub-$8,000 ranges – maybe that lack of upside that we've seen is a little bit more manageable in that area. So uh, my model liked him. I, I definitely have no issues with him at the price. There you have it. Steven Yeager. Spence likes the pick. You know, I'm shying away from Yeager mainly from the point of like, it's a punting contest. Should not be, you know, probably not a tournament. I would want Steven Yeager to rely on putts for sure. And, and, if I didn't take Scheffler, then it's kind of like, how can I take Jaeger for that reason? Um, but I would say the price is right. I mean, he certainly has upside to get him under 8K. I think he's someone with 8K that has that has higher upside than some of the guys around him. So I can certainly understand it and get behind it. Um, all right, Spence, your third pick here. You have about 8K per pick left. Who are you looking at here? I'm going to decline that total that I have with this pick that I'm going. I'm going to go up the board a little bit. I agree that it's a little surprising, very surprising, that Scotty Scheffler has not been taken. I don't think I can necessarily afford him with the way that I've started this build. Um, 
in an ideal world, I would have liked to maybe have considered that Sungjae or Cantley range that might have saved me enough to still be able to round this out. Uh, I saw the audience talking about potentially making trades. I, I mean, I like Eric Cole. I don't know in what world you guys don't just take Jason Day and then try to trade him to me, and that's probably the secondary route that I was going to consider. But I'm going to go with the golfer that was so bad in 2023 that the narrative sort sort of changed about him of what people thought. And now, now all of a sudden we're back into this perception again where he's shooting up the board in price. And I tend to think it's correct at one of these easy desert scoring courses. I'm going to go with Justin Thomas, 9,800. First in my model in strokes gain total on short par 72s. First in my model in strokes gain total on easy scoring courses that are short kind of feel like this might be one of those course fit scenarios to where we see the old Justin Thomas come back in full effect this week. Wow. I'm surprised by the pick. Um, listen, you're certainly as talented as anyone. I, I can definitely understand it. Uh, David, how about you? Are you on Justin Thomas at all this week? Yeah, I was, um, I've had several picks taken from me. I'll just point out already. Um, then we JT um, Sungjae, Jay Jaeger would have all been um, options I was looking at this week, so they were all, all off the board. Um, I just think Thomas, like, I mean, the last three tournaments, he's finished fifth, fourth, third. Like, we know the talent of the guy, and um, I think that he's maybe round in the corner a bit, and it seems that, like, a lot of people are still out on him after being burned so many times, which, you know, is fair enough, but um, it's still it's Justin Thomas, and we know what he can do in, in this sort of field. So um, wouldn't be surprised to see him lifting the trophy on Sunday. There you have it. Justin Thomas endorsed. Um, I like it. All right. I got two here. Um, and now, so I did say in the beginning that I was going to go a little bit rogue. Maybe my first two picks didn't feel as rogue as things are going to get here. Um, but yeah, I'm going to start with Will Zalatoris. Um, Now, I know that sounds like, what are you doing? He was a disaster on round one. Understandable. It was his first round back in you know, almost a whole year. Um, certainly had some kinks to work out. He wasn't, he was pretty good in round two. He didn't make the cut, but that was really just a, a byproduct of falling apart round one. Um, I think he got the kinks out. He showed improvements round two. He showed, he looked more like his old self. And I think now with that past him, I think he shows up this week and gives you a better result. Again, I, it's a, for this lineup to work, I, I I got to throw out the putting because, you know, if I said about Jaeger, I guess it's not fair to say about Zalatoris. But I'm going to bank on the talent. I think, obviously, Zalatoris has upside. He's probably the best ball striker in the field. Um, at 7,900, that is just, I would think, the probably the best price we'll ever see from him in, you know, the foreseeable future. So um, I'm going to take the upside and, and the improvement we saw day two last week. Hope that rolls over here um, to a better showing this week. And with him, um, I'm going to take – I think this is Spence's guy. I know you like him because he went to UNLV. Uh, Ryan Moore. Ryan Moore's playing great golf. Ryan Moore has been hot. You know, he's a guy that I feel like has almost been overlooked a little bit, but um, he's been he's been really good. The ball striking has been good, and you know, if, if anything, if we're going to call it a putting contest, if someone can get hot with a putter, it's certainly Ryan Moore. So I like what we've seen from him. To get him under 7K is a great price, um, and I need some of these value plays to make this line of work with Sungjae and Cam myself. I love the value of me and Ryan Moore here. Spence, was I right? Is Ryan Moore your boy? And are you playing him all this week? Every UNLV golfer is my boy. I think they all just lump into the same group. I, I think under 7,000 with limited ownership is intriguing. He's probably of the sub. I don't know what his upside actually is, but I, I think of the sub $7,000 golfers, my model at least tends to believe that, um, I mean, he's a, fringe top 50 play which isn't good enough to make the cut here and and that's always something worth looking into and, and the Zalatoris play I don't hate it as much as I think most people are going to like I don't think anybody's going to play him at all this week I don't know that like I agree with you somewhat Joel I thought that he looked fine on day two after uh having a terrible day one the putter was just awful throughout that tournament and he's gonna have to make putts and that's gonna be the downside but I started this with Finau, Siwoo, and Justin Thomas. It's not like I'm necessarily looking at putting acumen on my end either, and that's probably why my models seem to like Zalatoris a little bit here. And you see it with the course history. He's been solid out here. I know that's when he was healthier, but 
it's at least worth noting if nobody's going to play him. And by way of of trying to talk myself into the pick, so this is why I'm making up this narrative for myself. Part of me kind of thinks, you know, because it, we're calling it this like, you know, putting contest, but putting is probably easier a little bit on these courses. So it might actually yeah. help some of these guys who are tr- traditionally not as good at putters because it's not going to be quite as challenging of a, a putting atmosphere as it would be in a more difficult course. So um, we'll see how that plays out. Uh, all right, Spence, you got your fourth pick here. Still plenty of money to spend. Who are you looking at? I think for we always talk about these low seven thousand dollar golfers, and when they start garnering ownership, I, I don't want to make such a blanket statement with this, but I think we all have some sort of trepidation when that comes into play. Kind of takes the right build for me to always want to fit some of these names in. I, I am going to take a popular golfer here in the lower seven thousands, and I'm going to go with Alex Smalley at seventy three hundred. Back to back top twenty five finishes at this venue over the past two years. Inside of the top 10 of my model, when you put them on these easy scoring and short courses, um, my model always loves the ball striking potential that he displays. thought this was too cheap of a price for him down here for the, the top 20 equity that he is presenting inside of my sheet. There you have it. I, uh, I like the pick. What say you, David? Yeah, look, I mean, the, the consumer smallly always comes down to the, the same thing, which is um, whether the putter's going to show up. I mean, to his credit, he's played here twice and he's been a gainer on putting, albeit small, on both his appearances. But he is um, pretty dreadful with the putter, let's be honest. And you're just kind of relying on that showing up, and especially on a week like this. So, I mean, might make a few of my lineups as contrary an option in GPPs, but um, certainly not in cash games. I don't think I'd be rolling the dice on that one. All right, all right. All right, audience, you're up here with your fourth pick. Now, I'm trying to catch up on the chat. I'm looking at the time. Are, is the Kazire nomination from last round? Because it's three minutes ago. Is that Was that just some early nominations coming in? I think that was just an early nomination, correct? Or do we not know? No one? No support here. All right, well... We can confirm. It looks like either way, Rio would be locked in. So we're going to go ahead with Rio. Um, unless there's anyone that thinks I'm wrong, I would suggest you speak now or this pick is going to be locked in. Okay. I like him. I mean, I, I did a, a season-long league. Um, I took. I actually added him as a waiver of the first guy I picked up. Um, you know, he's very talented. He, he did great. Um, on on the tours that he was playing on, now he's playing more here, and he's had good results. So at seventy five hundred, I think you're getting a good golfer that's probably not as well known yet because he hasn't been playing as much over here. So I think that's a really sneaky play. How about you, Spence? I don't have a ton of data on him to feel comfortable one way or another, but I tend to agree with the audience and you, Joel. Like from the limited information that I do have, and even when I pull from some of the stats that I have from past or other tours that he's playing. Uh, my model liked him a lot, so I, I don't see a ton of ownership around him either, which maybe that's a, a product of the price tag of it being 7500 but I would make an argument that he is every bit deserving of that and maybe should be a little bit higher, and we might find that to be the case here in a couple months to where that this was just far too low of a price. I'm making that prediction. I think he's legit, and I think he's going to end up being a guy that we're talking about week to week on this show. So you heard it here first, Jan 16th. And then the next, I'll call it two months, I bet you we will be drafting Rio, and I bet you he'll be in the 8K range. So keep an eye out. I like the pick. Good pick, audience. David, we love your take on Rio, and you got two more picks following that. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously I, I cover the DP World Tour pretty extensively, um, more so than most, and Rio has sat in a had an awesome DP World Tour year. Um, he's obviously extremely young, obviously a big talent. He made my tips at the signing open last week at 100 to one, um, and obviously cashed um, on the top 40. And he played uh, played really well. I mean, as a golf course that, that suits him. My my critique here would be that his game is 
certainly more focused on driving accuracy. I do think he's got the potential to be kind of the next Tom Kim kind of golfer who comes out from the one of the Asian tours and um, surprises everyone with his talent. I think he he probably is among that list of names. I just don't know if this is necessarily the best course fit for him. And if he is catching a bit of steam, I'd probably rather deploy him at a event like Wailai where he's going to um, benefit from the increase in driving accuracy compared to somewhere here where I'm not weighting driving accuracy as high as other places. Makes sense. I like it. All right. You got two here. It, plenty of money to spend. Who are you looking at? Yeah. So um, with the first of them, uh, a favorite of mine last season and probably going to be a favorite of mine this year as well is um, Bo Hosler at 7,800. Obviously a California local. So he's got the links to the region used to this type of desert course. He's just had such an improvement in his approach play towards especially the back half of 2023 that I really do think that we're going to see him get a victory. He gets critiqued a lot for not having one on the PGA Tour, but the guy's only 28. So Data Golf currently rank him 42nd in the world and his World Golf rankings 83rd. And anytime that I see a big discrepancy between what Data Golf are putting out and the World Golf rankings, that's always a spot for me that's prime for some regression. I actually said the exact same thing about Wyndham Clark at this tournament last year. And we all know that Wyndham went on and won uh, 80 to 1 for us at the Wells Fargo and 80 to 1 for us at the US Open. So um, I'm not saying Bohos is going to go and win a major. But I do think that this is a year where he could potentially take off a PGA Tour win. And this is one of the better spots for him with his combination of driving distance and short game. And then um, backing that up, I'm going to go with uh, Chris Kirk. And I, what I really love about Chris Kirk this week, I mean, he's been so good the first two weeks, right? And he had an amazing time in the Hawaiian swing. What I, what I love about him is that he's got JT Post and Price right above him in the in the DraftKings markets. And I see JT Post at like 21%. I'm seeing Chris Kirk at like 10 And for me, I'm like, well, Chris Kirk has been playing awesome. And if I'm getting some leverage over someone like Poston, um, Kirk seems like a really good option for me. There you go. You know, Chris Kirk's definitely one of those guys that's, you know, you'll see him go on streaks where he has like a month or two where he's, you know, getting top tens and he's at the top and then he goes on streets where he kind of disappears. So you definitely want to catch Chris Kirk on one of those hot streets because we've seen him have go on those runs where, you know, he's playing elite golf. I, I like both picks there. Um, before we get to your take, Spence, audience, you are on the clock. It looks like some nominations have come in. We are going to need one double to officially lock in your pick. Uh, while we wait for that to happen, Spence, what are your take on both Hostler and Kirk? I will start with Kirk. Um, I almost took him at the 202 and then kind of came down to a decision when I took Siwoo there. It was going to be, do I want to play Justin Thomas? Do I want to play Chris Kirk? I ended up going the Justin Thomas route. Couldn't afford Chris Kirk. I think Chris Kirk's a great play. He's one of only seven players that ranked in the top 40 of my model of every single category I looked at. I released the head-to-head bet over at Roto Baller on Monday night. That was Chris Kirk minus 120 over Shane Lowry. That has ballooned out now into the minus 150 range out there. I think he's probably one of the safer options on the board. We've seen him find success at this tournament, but I also think there's upside for him at that price at reduced ownership compared to some of the names around him. So I think that's a savvy play from David. And then Hostler does have a lot of similarities to that Wyndham Clark comp. I don't know if he's going to get there with the iron play to take that complete next step there, but the only reason why we're getting him at 7,800, in my opinion, is just because of the course history. If you throw away the course history and it's not super indicative here to begin with, I, I think he's an $8,000 plus golfer very easily. And he's another name that we keep going back to of where will they be, you know, a couple months from now. Don't be shocked in a lot of these tournaments if Hostler ends up becoming a $9,000 plus golfer. I, I think he's too cheap here. Boom. There you have it. A ringing endorsement. I like it. Audience, great job getting your pick in. It looks like you all together have fallen in love with Adam Shank. Um, I like the pick. I think we showed him. He showed at the end of last year what he was capable of. He was on the rise um, at 7,600. I think he's a great value here as well. David, what say you on Adam Shank? Yeah, I, I was really considering Adam Shank with um, one of my two picks there. And so I think he's a, he's absolute fine play um i'm really surprised by his ownership i would have thought it'd be a lot higher owned because he was so popular towards like the last three months of 2023 when he just went on this like massive 
run and he was hugely improved um you know he's tangling it with with the big boys as we see in this field and he seems way too cheap at 7600 so i was surprised that his ownership was i'm getting like seven percent on him for um for someone who's in 7600 who was gaining a lot of lot of steam in the end of 2023 well there you have it as it looks by the chat and by david's endorsement we are all on board the shank train this week i love it great pick audience i'll tell you what the audience team is looking pretty strong. I like what the audience have done thus far. Um, possibly audience going back to back this week. We shall see uh, if Spence has anything to say about it. That will not be the case. Spence, how are you going to stop the audience from going back to back here with your fifth pick? So I'm going to go contrarian again. And, and Shank was an option for the record. That was in play for me with this pick if he would have been on the board. I, I was hovering between Shank the name I'm going to take in somebody else. But um, since Shank is gone, I'm going to go with Keith Mitchell at 7,700. I think Keith Mitchell has probably burned me on this show one too many times to be trying to go back to this again, but great driver of the golf ball. There was an increase in expected proximity for him at these three venues over what he typically gets. So I think if the iron play can improve here, that's probably one of the reasons why we saw him come in 22nd last year at this tournament. I, I like the form that he's bringing here with three of his last four made cuts, the 30th at the Sony. I thought he played fine. So uh, I'll go with Mitchell here for a little bit of a contrarian take. Ooh, Keith Mitchell. He's another one of those guys. I couldn't put Mitchell and Kirk in the same vein from the sense of like, when Mitchell's playing well and he's on the hot streak, he's a guy you want. And when he's not, he's off. The difference is I'm not sure Mitchell is on that hot streak right now, uh, but certainly does hit the profile of a guy with upside in the 7K range in terms of talent. Um, and I guess I, I just said it, you know, I compare Mitchell and Kirk and Mitchell is $1,300 less expensive. So um, I can certainly understand the upside. I like the pick there. David, will Mitchell be in your player pool at all this week? I think I think Mitchell probably just misses out for me compared to others in that range. Um, I, I will say, though, that the 30th at the Sony Open, like I really didn't think that Wileye was a good course fit for him. So I'm actually kind of impressed with the 30th for him and maybe the suggestion that some form's coming back. I just worry about the putter with, with Mitchell, as you kind of always do. Fair enough, fair enough. All right, I got two here. Um, I'm going to start with Ryder. Sam Ryder, you know, as you know, I draft him all the time. He's a guy I like. Uh, he's in good form. I mean, in in he hasn't played all that recently, but in November he had two top 15s. Uh, we've seen him be able to get really hot with the putter. If he can find that hot flat stick here this week, um, I think his ball striking has improved enough where he can have a really good showing and a really good finish. At 7,200, he gives me that top 10 outside in a lineup that features two 10K guys, so – um, I like Ryder a lot in tournaments. I will be playing him a lot in some of these big GPPs. And on my last pick, I'm going to go with Chesson Hadley. Um, he's another guy who is just, I feel like more recently is turning a corner. He's playing better golf. I want to ride some of that hot streak. And if you're looking for a guy who can get hot with that putter, Charlie's another guy that we've seen pop, um, have some big putting weeks. And this could be one, another one showing where uh, he could find that hot putter and, and get you a really good result in the low 7K range. So, both guys are, you know, affordable guys with upside that I'm happy to take a shot on. How about you, Spencer? Are you playing Hadley or Ryder? I'm kind of happy, I guess, that you went with Ryder and Hadley because those were two considerations that I was going to take, and I was kind of having a hard time trying to narrow down this final pick. So I guess I'll move this into my selection to kind of talk about them and then where I'm going. So for me, it was Ryder, Hadley, um, I'm going to absolutely butcher his name and David, um, you can correct me on this. Uh, Matthew Pavon. Now that, yeah. Oh, that, 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 that one's a shock for me with that. Um, um, I think Doug Gim is interesting. Alexander Bjork, if you want to potentially go back to him, I, everybody liked him last week. Those kind of where I'm at, I, I'm going to go with Pavon though. I don't, necessarily know that I trust the data that I have for him because it's so limited and anytime you play a golf tournament and you come in seventh place and that's where you're specifically pulling the data from he's going to look very good in a model and I had to hand regress some of those stats so it didn't necessarily make him like the number one player for me but 
I, I don't know. I, I think like we may find out that he's much better than this price ends up being here. And I'm going to trust the limited data that I have. So um, I just thought he was far too cheap at the, at the total he was this week. There you have it. I love it. I love it. Um, before we move on, David, what were your thoughts? Um, I've got a few thoughts. I'm glad that that Spencer pronounced Matthew Pavon correctly because the commentators at the Sony Open were driving me mad by saying calling him Pavan. They were calling him Pavan the whole time. There was an Italian golfer called um, Andrea Pavan. Um, but it's Pavon, which uh, Spence correctly pronounced. And then I was laughing at the fact that um, Joel pronounced um, Chess and Hadley as Chesson, um, because I don't think any golfer, any golf commentator has ever called him Chesson. Um, so I quite like that as well. But um, look, I think Pavon's a really interesting player. I thought he was really good at the um, the Spanish Open when he won. Um, we were on him that week at 81, and um, it was a great hit for us. But it was a really driver-heavy golf course, and I was surprised with Sony Open. I actually put put some people off um, Pavon um, last week at the Sony Open, unfortunately, because he played really well, finishing seventh. And I just didn't think it was the right golf course for him in terms of the driving accuracy, um, which is typically not a strength for him. So to finish seventh, it was really, really impressive. And I think he's got a big future of him. I think he's going to gonna find a home on the PGA Tour very easily. There you have it. Um, getting the endorsement from the DP World Tour guys, so you know it's a good pick. Audience, not only you on the clock, but the pick's already in. Audience, you are the real MVP. Way to be on it. KH Lee, lock it in. Um, we'll start with you, Spence. Are you on KH Lee at all this week? I, I liked him last week, and, and I thought we saw the form turn around a little bit. Um, he's been a little bit boomer bust at this tournament, but... Do you think you're going to get contrarian nature with them? I don't see a ton of people going back to him. I, I don't dislike the pick whatsoever. I think he's a top, I mean, let's call it 40 sort of caliber player, which is where he's priced on DraftKings this week. I think you're getting a fair price for him with a lot of leverage that can be created. Oh, there you have it. I like the audience's team a lot. I think the audience did a great job in this draft. I probably would take the audience team to win um, after my team, of course. Uh but before we wrap up, David, you have your last pick. Love your take on KH Lee and then how are you wrapping up this draft? I really like KH Lee this week. And I, I, if my build hadn't gone the way that it had, like he just wasn't really going to fit in in terms of the players that I wanted to take. Um, I absolutely would have drafted him. Um, I think he's massive leverage. Like I'm surprised he's only at 3%. I thought he would be a lot higher than that. Particularly if I if I am making links to the Byron Nelson, like Cageley's won twice at TPC Craig Range. So another like low scoring um desert golf course where you're gonna have to make your putts and he's played extremely well there, obviously. Um he's had great form um at the Shriners as well. We finished seventh um last year and he's had a fourteenth previously as well. So I really like the correlation that you're getting with Cageley. I think he's just huge value. So if you're getting ownership like in under five percent, like I think he's a bang play. Um, he's he's excellent. So really, really good option there. Um, I wanted to fit in um, Adam Hadwin, who I think is going to be extremely popular because he is the Desert Fox and um, he's got a reputation, obviously, as being so. Great record at the Shriners. He's finished second, 10th, 6th and 4th um, recently there. And then at this course as well, he's finished second, 3rd, 2nd, 6th, um, 25th, 25th and 18th as well so um look he just loves the desert golf and i think that a lot of people are going to do what i'm kind of doing here and just go like oh like adam had when he's fine i'll plug him in um which is fine but i do think it's a really good golf golf course for him and um he kind of rounds out this this line lineup nicely for me of a bit balanced a little bit safer play versus um some more volatile plays like gramlet and hosler yeah this feels like one of those moments we see adam happen kind of pops you know Adam Hadman gets those top 10 throughout the year. This feels like a spot where um, he could show up. And especially at 8,300, I think the price is right. So a nice job running out your squad there. Audience, we're not done yet. So we're, we're wrapping up here. Uh, it goes a long way. Give us a like. Hit the like button. Give us a follow. Let us know what team you think is going to win. We're coming back with receipts next week. We're going to crown the winner uh, to follow along on the show. So uh, give us your thoughts. Give us who you think is going to win so we can come back and crown the king. While I bring the draft board down, because of the unique nature of there being three different 
uh, courses. It's kind of hard to do first round leader. I mean, they, there are first round leader bets you can make, but we're not going to do that this week because of the three courses. We will give any bets that you might have. I know David has one. Uh, so we'll start with you, David. Any matchups that you want to give for the for the audience this week? Yeah, so, um, yeah, as you mentioned, can't do first round leader this week, but I'm going to give out a, a triple matchup that you can find over on Fangel. So Chris Kirk over Wyndham Clark in round one matchup. Um, they're playing at La Quinta, one of the easier golf courses. Wyndham Clark's not had the greatest start to the year at the century. And then obviously all that news breaking this week that he's in negotiations with Liv is a bit of a distraction off the golf course as well. So I like Chris Kirk there. Then I'm going to take Hosler over Ben Martin. They're playing on the Nicholas course where driving distance is an asset. Ben Martin's had a dreadful start to the year, looked really bad on approach at the Sony Open, and Hosler's got the advantage of having uh, distance and probably a better putter as well. And then finally, rounding out the treble with Joseph Bramlett over Ryan Moore. Bramlett being a California guy, again playing at Nicholas course, which is a longer driving distance course. And uh, Ryan Moore, obviously, really lacking off the tee. Driving actually is a, a benefit for him. And um, we know that putting isn't his greatest strength either. He's lost putting here several occasions. So you can get that treble at plus 450 over at Fangio if you build those three golfers into a parlay. And um, I like that we match up treble here. There you have it. Spence, do you have any matchups you're giving out this week? I don't know if I have anything that still helps that anybody who's actively listening, I don't want to give a stale line that's moved. I talked about the Chris Kirk play over Shane Lowry. Um, it's just hard when a numbers move 40 points. So if you can still find that in the minus 110, minus 120 range, certainly I think that's probably the best value that I had on the board this week. And the only other bets that I, I technically have any action to at this moment would be the outrights on Finau and Siwoo Kim. And then uh, I did bet Keith Mitchell to come top 20 at, I believe, plus 350. Um, but that's pretty much my card this week. It's very limited. All right. There you have it. Limited card. Tell you, okay, one other thing I want to kind of put on everyone's radar is Daniel Berger is playing this week. It has been a long time since we saw Daniel Berger out there. You know, probably not someone I want to put any money on this week, but I'm going to watch him. I want to see what he looks like. I'm excited to get him back on tour. Um, I'm a fan of Daniel Berger, so um, hopefully he shakes some of that rust off this week, and we'll be putting them back in our lineups in the next coming tournaments um, if we see some some good results and, and a healthy Berger out there. I'm sure he'll have a, have you know a couple decent weeks. I'll play him, and then he'll withdraw it as it goes most weeks. But uh, that's the fun of it, as it always is. Good luck this week. Um, wrapping up the show here. As I said before, don't forget to give us a follow. Hit the like button. Follow along in Discord this week. We will update the ownership article on Wednesday night. Also, if there's any weather updates or any edges that we um, find as we get closer to, to tee off, you know, you can go in there. We'll, we'll post those updates. You'll get the ownership. We also will post some outrights in there for you guys to have some additional bets to look at. So come check that out before the, reap wrap, the week wraps up. Uh, good luck. Am I missing anything else? I, I will say one, I will, I'll say one thing very quickly, just about the show that I was surprised with. There were so many players with tons of ownership that did not get picked on the show this week. Like we, Scheffler, Poston, um, I don't think Eric Cole got taken. Eric Cole, um, Taylor Montgomery. Like there's a lot of names that are going to be top 10 in ownership that were not selected. So probably one of the most just across the board contrarian builds that have been made from all four lineups. So uh, that's always a boomer bust nature with it, but I thought that was interesting and at least worth noting. That's a good point. I think it's, it's, it's good. Like to build them, you guys are able to find who the chalky guys are. That's out there, right? That's what other people are talking about. So this week we gave you a full complement of guys to look at that maybe aren't the chalkiest to pivot to. So um, a lot to chew on and think about as you build your lineups this week. Um, and of course, sports. You know, when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks. That's what our podcast. People are the worst brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel and I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming. And we hate the people responsible for them. 
Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.